um, I'm gonna, I've got like about three or four different ideas that I want to get into tonight, um, and I don't want to take up too much time. And we, I really want to finish by praying for people who are sick. I know I really want us to pray for Aru. He needs God to turn his health situation around. But I just thought, man, there might be other people who've had some bad news, health news this week. I really believe that we can pray and believe for miracles. It doesn't actually hurt to pray and believe. You know, if something's really bad, you might as well pray and believe. It might, it might not fix it. Uh, it won't make it worse, uh, and it's something to do in the meantime, isn't it? Um, and uh, you know, it's more, I believe more than that, but at the very minimum, prayer is something to do with your thoughts. It's something to do with your emotions while you're going through something, and at the very best, God breaks through in, on, as a result of prayer. Um, now, what Alice is doing is awesome. What Alice just did, and he, has agree, he agreed with me. Now, one of the things I want us to begin to understand at the 6 p.m. particularly is the Bible says something really interesting. It says about yes and no. Who's heard the Bible says that let your yes be and your no is no. So you let your yes be and your no is Now, what most Christians in my generation and from my culture do is their yes is and then no is, and when you're preaching, you don't know whether it's yes or no, because it's just this. But when we're preaching on a Sunday, someone has the job of choosing the scriptures, picking out some ideas and preaching. Everyone else has the job of saying yes and no, because we've got to agree together for what God's doing in our city. We need to agree together what God's doing in our world, Right. How many people know that when we pray for sick people at the end of the service, people are going to get healed on the basis of our faith? And it's our agreement together that releases God and brings God into, the, into, the, into, the, into earth. That's right. You're catching on. You're catching on. There's only two biblical responses to preaching. No, number one is you agree. Or the other option is you bring stones to church in a big bucket like good-sized rocks, and you beat the preacher to death. Now listen, I want to tell you up front, I want to tell you up front, that is a biblical response to preaching, is to beat the preacher to death with hard objects. That's a perfectly legitimate biblical response. If the person's preaching nonsense, that's what we should do, right? If you beat me to death and I'm not preaching nonsense, the judgment of God on you. Anyhow, but the only other response is to agree. And when we, you know, have you ever had someone say, yeah, 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 I'll see you there? Yeah, 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 I'll see you there. And we have got these friends. I've got these friends that are like my, they're my second cousins. And after church, every Sunday, we would go to someone's house for lunch. We'd eat our lunch. At the end of lunch, we'd choose where we are going to play touch rugby. Or in the winter, we'd play, uh, we'd play uh, league or whatever. Or we'd play basketball. We'd be going somewhere. How many people would do that? Hey, we're going to go down to such and such, and we're going to play basketball. And you get there, and these two brothers would never be there. Right? But when we were playing rugby, sometimes they were the only one with a, with a ball that was holding air, you know? You know yeah. So we'd, they'd need to be there because they're the only ones who could afford a rugby ball, and the rest of us were just poor kids, you know? Anyhow, and so we'd go around their house, and they'd be sitting watching TV, dressing gowns on, slippers on. You know, sometimes when I'm preaching, I, I, I reckon we've got to dispel from the atmosphere the idea that we sit down in our dressing gowns at church, we've got our slippers on, and someone's preaching the Word of God, and everyone else is just actually watching TV uh, in their mind. But come on, let's engage, because the truth of Scripture is being preached every Sunday. The truth It's been said from the front when Pachi says something like, come on, this is the best day, or this is the start of the best week of your life. Come on, let's agree. Let's agree that this is the start. Sunday night is the start. We're moving into something awesome called next week, called this week, called the plan of God for us. And the plan that God has for us is good. Amen? Okay, in Genesis chapter 28, uh, last, week, last Sunday morning I preached out of Genesis chapter 28, which is the story about Jacob. Who's heard of Jacob in the Bible? Show of hands. Show, heard of Jacob? If you haven't heard of Jacob, it's a really good story. The book of Genesis, the first, the first half of it is a real awesome, actually the whole thing's a real good story, but I particularly like from Genesis 12 through to uh, Genesis 50, which is Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and then Joseph. It's just cool stories from the Bible, just really, really awesome. And it, it, the cool thing is seeing the plan of God, also just cool stories as well. But this guy, Jacob, he's the third generation of the promise of God. There's Abraham, his grandfather received the promise of God. Then Isaac, his father, he receives this promise of God. And then Jacob, the promise of God comes to him as well, this third generation. And when God reveals his plan and he reveals his purpose to Jacob, the vision Jacob sees, I think, is just so instructing. 
right? It's so compelling. It's this picture. He goes to sleep and he sees this picture of a stairway from heaven to earth. Now, in his, in his cosmology, there you go, it's a good word. In Jacob's cosmology and in my cosmology, heaven's not up there and earth's not down there. The up and down is symbolic of what's principal and what's secondary, right? The principal thing is the presence of God. The secondary thing is earth, right? The, the height differential is not about a physical height differential because heaven is all around us. And that was Jacob's cosmology and it's mine. We're surrounded by God's presence. And the principal thing is God's presence and what God thinks. The secondary thing is me and what I think, right? But what Jacob sees is a stairway that connects heaven to earth. That means it connects the reality of God and His invisible power to earth and its visible weakness and its visible earthiness and its brokenness. The, the brokenness of earth that we live in, how broken is the broken earth? It's broken as broken, right? It's busted. You just need to grab your phone, look at the newspaper, three or four articles in, you just read the brokenness of the world. The things are broken. Governmental systems are broken. Families are broken. But they've been broken forever. In our current culture, we talk about the breakdown of the family, right? In our current culture. But it's been talked about in every generation in history because broken is broken. When it's broken, how many people know it's broken, right? So Jacob sees his vision. And it's that the goodness and the power and the glory and the perfection of God actually connects with earth. So it's a bigger picture than, hey, there's a staircase. And if you want to go to heaven, you can climb up the staircase. Anyway, that's just seeing who would get it, who would get it. But here's the reality, here's the reality, is that I think in my Christianity, sometimes I live with a different picture. Sometimes I live my life with actually a different symbolism of how God connects with the earth. And I think I get it wrong in two ways. Sometimes I see a staircase with a missing bottom step. Patty's playing with the toys. Sometimes I see a staircase. I don't know about you, but I was just thinking about it all this week. That I think often I, I pray and I worship and I live my life sometimes with the bottom step of the staircase missing. And so I connect with God and His glory and I'm excited about God. God things and shout conference and uh, praising Jesus and, and uh, you know, and dancing in church and, and, and reading my Bible and writing devotions. I'm excited about that. But it, and, and I'm excited about God might be ministering to my mind and God's ministering into my emotions and God's ministering vision into my life. But sometimes it doesn't quite touch where I'm really at. Sometimes it doesn't quite, I don't, it's, it's not God, it's that my view of Him, he, he doesn't come quite into the darkest part of my life. He doesn't come quite into the brokenest bit of my life. That's why I reckon we've got to pray for the sick, because when we see a sick person healed, like we saw at Shout, uh, people's, uh, people uh, in, uh, from Hastings, a girl, she cut her cast off, you know, went back and got the x-ray, and there's no sign of her arm ever being broken. Now, that's awesome, isn't it? But why it's awesome for me is it's not just a, a, an arm fix. For me, it fixes my mentality. It fixes my spirituality that says, no, the stairway goes all the way, all the way down to a broken arm, all the way down to your broken heart, all the way down to your, your constant sin, all the way down to your depression. It actually hits the ground. God himself in his perfection actually touches earth. I reckon that's a phenomenal thing, isn't it? But I think I also get it wrong the other way around. Sometimes I, it's, I've, got the, I've got it touching the earth. I'm aware of my weakness. I'm aware of the fact that God's moving. I'm passionate about um, ministering into the world, passionate about reaching out. But sometimes the staircase doesn't quite reach heaven. Sometimes it's just me. I'm just a little bit too in here. I'm a little bit too on the earth. I'm a little bit too wrapped up in my issues. I'm a little bit too fighting hard for the future. I'm a little bit too worried about uh, what's happening in the world. I'm a little bit too concerned about government. I'm a little bit too concerned about families. And I'm a little bit too concerned about brokenness. And I forgot that actually, you know, come on, as broken as the brokenness of earth is, come on, the stairway reaches all the way to God. And the angels of God move up and down the stairway. And I just want to encourage you tonight, in your view of life, in your view of of yourself. Come on, let's see God in His glory. 
Let's see God in his perfection. Let's see God in his wonder. Let's see God in his majesty. But come on, let's connect every step. Every step of that staircase through our thinking and through our emotions and through our experiences and through the good times and through the bad times, right down to the very dust of the earth that we live our life in. Come on, he's there with you in the dark times. Not just, not here, I like this thought, not just to lift you up. Sometimes God's just there to be with you there. Some, so, do you know, do you know, you know what it's like when you've got that friend who's always cheering you up? No, not you, no. Sometimes I'd just rather stay depressed rather than just pretend it's okay. Because you can't, have you, ever, you know, you would have, if you're all these old enough to know what it's like to get to the bit where you think, well, I'm not pretending anymore. I'm not just going to pretend anymore. I actually need God to be here with me here. Sometimes we come to church and we always, before we get to church, maybe in the park, the car, or we get off the bus, and we know that we've got 100 meters between here and church to get a few rungs up the ladder before anyone else sees us. Oh, no, how things are, oh, pretty good. Well, actually, things are absolute shite in your life, but you pull it all together. Right, you really should say how are things going. You really should say, well, actually, my whole life's falling apart but I'm pretending so that I don't make you feel uncomfortable. But the reality is in church, we don't need to feel uncomfortable about each other's brokenness because this is the only place where we really understand how messed up we are. This is the only place where you don't have to put on a show. Please put on a show out there in the world. Don't make them think we're all fruitcakes, but here we already know we are, okay? Here we can be honest and say, no, actually this week I've had some tough times. I'm praising God for His goodness, but I'm believing He's going to break through in my situation. Amen? Grab your Bible. I want to look at another scripture tonight, and uh, this is from First Peter. And I, there is, uh, I know someone in the room is studying detailed theology about Second Peter, so I've avoided Second Peter tonight because Johnny Dirks is here. <laughs> Good to have Johnny here. Johnny, you're German, eh, Johnny? Johnny's German, but he's a missionary to Switzerland. It's not far, but it's a big. Dis- it's important. It's an important. That's like us being a missionary to the South Island. Uh, how many people know that any Jesus down there? They also need like better dance moves and a bit of rhythm, but we can't help them with that. Oh, come on. Come on. You know that I love you. This from me. That's right. I can put my whole self in one dance move, people. Don't be jealous. Don't be jealous. Okay. I've always said if you've got it, flaunt it. Anyway. <laughs> First Peter. People, if you don't know, people are making fun of my dancing because I'm so good. First Peter chapter 2, I want to read, I don't, I, I, how, how much time we've got? I'm going to read quite a bit, is that all right? This is cool, this is, I like this, as Peter's been quite po- poetic here, and he says this, he's talking in the previous little bit about the fact that God's called us to a holy life, God calls us into this life that honors him, right? And it's not, about a, it's not about a perfection and a purity. It's about a connection to God and His purity that God calls us into this relationship that transforms us, right? But then he says this, you are coming to Christ. You want to say Christ? Christ? You are coming to Christ, who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by people, but He was chosen by God for great honor. And you are living stones. Everyone say living stones. That God is building into his spiritual temple. What's more, you are his holy priests through the mediation of Jesus Christ. So we, we are God's holy priests because of Christ's mediation sacrifice. You offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. You are God's holy priests offering spiritual sacrifices that please God, as the scriptures say. And he goes on and says, I'm placing a cornerstone in Jerusalem, which is Christ, chosen for great honor. Whoever trusts in him will never be disgraced. Yes, you who trust in him, that's Jesus, recognize the honor that God has given to Jesus. But those, but for those who reject him, the stone the builders reject has now become the chief cornerstone. And he becomes a stone that makes people stumble and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they don't obey. Obey God's word. And so they meet the fate that it was planned for them. It's, it's not an encouraging thought, but we're moving on. But you are not like that. So you're not people who stumble. You're not people who fall. So you're not people who Christ ultimately becomes the, the, the rock of offense. Because you obey God's word, right? You're not like that. 
For you are a chosen people. Everyone say chosen people. You are royal priests. Everyone say royal priests. So we are a chosen people. We're royal priests. And then it says a holy nation. Now, the idea of nation is an important one. When we think of when it comes up in Scripture, what you need to get out of your head is nation like a nation like New Zealand or a nation like Germany or a nation like uh, Great Britain, that's an empire anyway, but, or a nation like Australia. Get those ideas of nations out of your head because those are really new ideas of nation. So, right, they're really, really new. They're post-World War I. Before World War I, they didn't really have, we didn't really have nations like that. Right, so nationalism, that's what Nazism was, nationalism. Right, so nationalism rises up post-World War I. How people know World War I is pretty recent? Not, yeah, oh, just to show, let me show you, it is pretty recent, right, in terms of world history. But when the Bible talks about nation, it's talking about family, extended family, and nation. Right, so it's people connected by identity and genealogy. Right, rather than people coming under like an economic nationalism, it's people connected with identity, right? So we're a holy nation, a royal priesthood, a people belonging to God, right? Cool, moving on, it says this, verse 9. Ooh, verse 9, not that for your chosen people, royal priest, holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God because He called you out of darkness and into His wonderful light. Once you had no identity, as a people, now you are God's people. Once you received no mercy, now you have received God's mercy. Dear friends, I warn you, as temporary residents and foreigners, keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your soul. Isn't that funny that worldly desires are warring against our soul? Be careful to live properly among unbelieving neighbors. Then even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior and they will give honor to God when he judges the world. It's a cool, really cool passage. It's actually one of my favorite passages. I like bits of the Bible that get poetic because you can think about what's this, this, uh, these big ideas that Peter is using here. And the first thing I want us to think about, I want to talk about, you think about, is this idea of living stones. I love the paradox of it. We're a living stone, <laughs> Right, so we're we're a, we're we're a living we're 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 the the opposite of what a stone is, right? So if you think of the 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 least living thing you're talking about is stones, the least living thing. It's not like you're a living tree, you know. That's like you're you know you're slightly animated, or you, or you're a living mouse or a living moth. You know, you're a living stone, and we've got to understand that just as as Pastor Pat said this morning, that when we weren't with Christ, when we were away from Christ, we were as dead as dead. We are a stone, but in Christ we become this amazing new idea. We become this living stone, a living stone, a live rock, a, a, a live dead thing. Do you know, isn't it funny? Isn't it funny that when you come to Jesus, you're still the same thing you were, but, you, he, but he's still a, 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 a brown person from West Auckland, and I'm still a bogan from Paraparam. Right? I'm still that. I'm still the stone I always was, but now I'm a living one. He's still the stone he always was, but now he's come alive. So now he's a living person from Avondale, and I'm a, I'm a living bogan rather than a dead bogan. Right? And come on, all you bogans. Just me and Alistair. <laughs> Alistair is not actually wearing skinny jeans. They're, those are baggy jeans. Well, he has very skinny legs. But the reality is... <laughs> Come on, the reality is sometimes we want Jesus to make us something different. But he doesn't. He just makes us alive. Because he designed us to be the thing we were all along. Because, he, he, again, again the, 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 the staircase touches, touches earth. It still acknowledges earth. The reality of who you are, where you're from, who your parents are, the mess that was your life before, the, the music that you listened to, the, the, the stuff you did as a kid, the mistakes you've made. God brings all of those things together and he brings all of them alive. Do you know God's even going to use the sin in your life to bring about his goodness and his glory because his grace is that big. He takes the mistakes that you've made and makes them beautiful. Doesn't he make everything beautiful in his time? That's who he is. I love this idea that I'm a living stone. Because I know I'm a stone. I know, I know what it feels like to be dead. 
And sometimes we can think, well, I know Jesus says I'm this living stone, but I just feel like a stone. Well, that should confirm the truth. Oh, I just feel dead. That's good. Because you're dead. That's why you feel dead. That's why you feel useless. Do you know why? Because you are. You are useless. If you feel like, man, I actually, I've actually got it together. Do you know, the problem is when you think you've got it together, do you know what you most likely don't? When you think you've, well, I've really got this Jesus thing nailed now. Well, you're most likely, well, you're most likely further from Jesus than you've ever been before. That's the big problem with being a church leader is that you have to pretend all the time that you've got the Jesus thing going good. Uh-huh. But the reality is we're, we're, to have the Jesus thing going good, to, to have it going good, the more aware of our weakness we'll be, the more aware of our inadequacies we'll be, the more powerful the miracle becomes. Suddenly, the more I realize how dead I am, the more amazing it is that I'm alive. The more I realize how broken I am, the more amazing it is that, look, I'm still walking. When I suddenly realize it's water, suddenly the miracle becomes real. Some of, you, some of you are even completely unaware of the miracle that's right now happening in your life. There are people out there, if, if they knew right now where you were, they would swear there. They'd be like, no way. Hey, there are people that you know, they'd be like, hey, well, you'd, what? You'd be just been singing hymns? Come on, you know there's people that would say that. If, if you're on Facebook, you're just right now, you know, except they've already unfriended all those evil people in your life, right? Come on, some of your workmates don't know what you do on the weekend. And they would be like, what? But come on, that's the, that points to, me to the, points me to the miracle. That Jesus takes us in our, takes the stone and makes it alive. So the, here's an idea. Why don't you be alive then? Why, why don't you be alive? You know, isn't it funny? We had a power cut this morning. I saw it. So we burnt, something burnt out in the power box. And we had our best technical minds on it. Jono was out there going. <laughs> then Shane was out there like, nah, something's definitely burnt. We can smell fire. Uh, we, and then we got a plumber involved, and he was able to point at the electrical wire. Was, this is my favorite bit. Will McGee comes out, and he points at this wire that's all melted and burnt. And he goes, it's like a big wire about eye height right in front of us all. He goes, it'll be that one. And Johnny's like, oh, yeah. And Johnny puts his finger out like this. And Will's like, don't touch it. <laughs> I was like, oh, I'm so glad you're here, Will, or we'd all be dead. We're like, hey, come and touch this. Oh, come and touch this thing. Oh. But come on, you know. Have a look at it. Have a look at it. Have a look at this. We've got one here. We've got, I've got this example here. The, the white bit is what's known as an extension cord. See, this is a quipper's church. I'm equipping you for life through an understanding of basic electronics. The, um, no, through faith in Jesus Christ. Now, here's the reality. This is how this is the problem in church. This is a problem in church. People look at that that plastic extension cord and think. People people look at you and think, whatever. Do you you know who the Do you know who your main critic is? It's you, because what you read stuff in the Bible like I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, and then you look in the mirror and say, except you, you can't because you're an idiot. Then you read, you're, then you read in there that that God loves you, and before the creation of the world, He chose you, and then you look in the mirror and say, but not you, He chose everybody else, right? Because you're just a, a four dollar extension cord. You know, I'm happy to be a four dollar extension cord. Is this the does the extension cord have any power? When you, when you buy an extension cord from the shop, they don't give you, like, rubber gloves to carry it with. Right? Because having to, if I was to unplug this bit, can I unplug that putty or is it going to be? Yeah, I can unplug that. That's just a tuna. Now, uh, what, uh, Alistair, could you just run and get a fork? <laughs> just to, come on, it's, for the, it's an illustration for the message. No, I'm joking, I'm joking. How many people want to see something dangerous? <laughs> okay, now... How many people know that this is plugged in? Is it still just a $3 extension cord from the warehouse? Yeah, it is. It's a $3 extension cord from the warehouse, you can tell. Right. How many people buy everything from the warehouse? 
Yeah, save shopping around because I'm looking for the cheapest thing anyway, right? Okay, so this is just a $3 extension cord from the warehouse, but it's plugged into like a, a $6 plastic fitting from EG Electrical that when we did. So it's $3 plus $6, right? Pretty impressive. Right, but the thing about it is that when it's plugged in, it's connected to the, uh, the, to, the, to the copper in the wall, right, which goes to the power box at the front door, which connects to the power lines on the street, which connect out through Macra to Pole 2 to the South Island, which connect to these giant, massive turbines generating more power than we can actually imagine. You're just a $3 extension cord unless you're plugged in. Then you have power. Then you are the source of God in somebody's world. So often we look at ourselves and we think, I'm so useless. Yes, you are. You're useless until you plug in. But when you plug in, you become a source to your neighbor. You become a source to your friend. The power of God flows through you. You don't have to add up to much. You just have to plug in where God's put you. Connect with the power of God around you. You're a living stone. Don't just be a stone. Be a living stone. Connect. Plug into what God's doing. Here's the problem. We look at, we look at the cord. Oh, Bible reading every morning, pretty boring. Just plug in. Yes, it's dumb. It's mundane. It's just mundane. But when, you do, when, it, when it's done with faith, it connects you with the power of God. It's like, oh, I'm not. I'm not. Imagine if you're like, I'm not using that. That's just a crappy extension cord. Well, if you don't use that, you get no power. Well, I'm just going to plug my guitar straight into the wall. No, use the plug. I'm not going to do it. I'm not, but so many Christians are like, well, that's not how I do it. No, I don't care how you do it. No one cares how you do it. What matters is how it works. I'm not doing electricity like that. Well, go to another planet where electricity works different. But in the world, in the real world, you plug in. I know heaps of Christians. Well, I'm not going to church. Well, don't then. But don't expect to be alive. Don't expect to be connected if you're not going to plug in. But people, but church is stupid. Yes! It's just a bunch of idiots playing music and some person talking. Yes, that is. There's nothing here other than, there's nothing here that's worth connecting to other than the glory and the power and the goodness and the love of Jesus. But he chooses to use the mundane. He chooses to put treasure in earthen vessels. Always be suspicious of people who don't look like they're made of dirt. Oh, he looks like he's got it all together. No, I'm not interested. Wow, that church is nearly perfect. I'm looking for a church that's broken. Yeah, that's it. Because God puts his treasure into dirt vessels. Pieces of dirt dried out by life. That's who God treasures. Okay, so be alive is point number one. If we're living stones built into a spiritual house, um, have, you ever, like, have you ever made something with bricks? No, we're all sort of city people. Uh, Abraham, he's, he's a builder. Uh, you know, it may have happened. My, my dad was a builder, and it may have happened to him on the work site. In my limited experience of a construction, I've never put a brick anywhere and then turned around and the bricks moved. Uh, you know, a builder doesn't say build a wall up to about here, then go away for smoko, and then come back. See that? That's drama. Go away for smoke, and come back. And then the, the bricks have arranged themselves into a bird bath. But Christians do it all the time. God puts them somewhere. Oh, here's a small group you can be part of. Uh, here's a church you can be part of. Here's some people you can connect with and build relationship with long term. And then God goes off and smoke, and he comes back, and it's a bird bath. You know, one brick's down, one brick's by itself over there. One brick's taking a vow of silence. Uh, you know, three bricks are fighting. Three of the bricks are bashing each other with Bibles. <laughs> Two of the bricks have started competitive blogs. Come on, just, just be in the wall. Just go in the wall. Just like if God put you there, just go, you know, just go there. Well, I don't know, really know about equipers. Do you know what? I don't either, but God's put me here. Well, I just really don't think equipers have got all their theology right. Do you know what? I know they don't. I'm one of the contributors to it. I'm pretty certain we haven't got it right. 
But do you know who? Do you know who's definitely got their theology wrong? The person who thinks they've got it all right. They're the one you have to worry about. I grew up in a church, and we were the only ones going to heaven. I'm sure they weren't, right? But they were sure they were, right? Right? I used to read the Bible and think, man, there's got to be more than 120 people there. But my pastor, he was adamant, it's just us. But come on, if God, come on, if God's put you here, just be here. Just connect here, be alive here, be connected. Do you, want, you know, the other thing um, you've got to understand about um, if, God, if we're living stones built into a spiritual house is that it's, it's not bricks. No, nowhere in the Bible does God use bricks. The Egyptians made the Israelites build with bricks, remember that? But God didn't build the temple with bricks. Uh, they built altars to Baal with bricks, but they built altars to Yahweh with stones. There's a big difference between a stone and a brick. You know, a lot of pastors would like a church built out of bricks. They're nice and straight, right? Lots of Christians want an understanding of God that's made out of bricks. Okay, so Father, yep, he's God. Son, he's God. And Holy Spirit, hold on, it doesn't make sense. <laughs> Why? Because it's not bricks, it's stones. They don't really work together. They don't really fit perfectly. Have you ever been to, oh, I really like your church, but it's a bit awkward. Do you know why? Because it's not, we're not bricks. We're not all cooked in an oven or measured out exactly the same size. We're all from different families and backgrounds. We've all got different conflicting sins. We've got people who, who are too quiet, and they usually end up in a small group with someone who's too loud, right? Why? Because the person who's too quiet needs to bash up against the person who's too loud so that the person who's too loud can get a little bit quieter, and the person who's too quiet can get a little bit louder, and then suddenly we start to get a wall appearing, right? The person who's too loose with their morals can bash up against the person who's a Puritan in a wig and they can bash together until someone gets a little more holy and someone else gets a little more less judgmental, right? But if we all just bash up against each other and think this doesn't work for me, I'm going to find a church where everyone looks like me and we can all fit together in perfect harmony. The problem with that is that's not church. God's making a spiritual temple out of stones, which means he loves to chip at you. How many of you God's always on your back? Is God always on your back? That's you know, part of the reason I find it hard to read the Bible is he's always having to go needling away. There's nearly no verse in here I can read and think, yeah, I've got that one. Yeah. <laughs> nearly every verse God's like, you know, think of the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Love, oh, joy, oh, peace. Well, I would be more peaceful if I wasn't so worried about being loving and joyful. Now, the reality is, come on, God's kneeling away because he's wanting to shape us. The most annoying people in your life should be your friends at church. It should be. Your friends at church should be like, come on, don't talk like that. Come on, God's got a plan for you. Stop being so miserable. Come on, you shouldn't be reading that. You shouldn't be watching that on TV. They should be like a mixture of a librarian and your mum and your rugby coach, you know, and your older brother. They should all be all those things all at once, just just shaping you and challenging you and chipping at you. Come on, Luca, pull it together. Come on, Luca, pull it together. I say to people all the time, all the young fellas say, you've got to start, you've got to grow up and be an actual man. How can you imagine how annoying that is when I say that to people? Stop being such a baby. I must have said that about half the people in the room. Come on, stop being such a baby. Right, pull yourself together. Yeah, you can throw stones if you want, but you, you have to be quick. <laughs> okay. Here's the thing. Uh, a wall is made of individual stones, but an individual stone is not a wall. So we, we, don't, be, we, don't, be, we don't be a strong, we don't get to be a strong wall as a church. We don't get to be a strong wall without strong individuals. But if we're strong individuals, we're not a wall yet. Like, it's a massive paradox. I was trying to think how you, like an illustration for it. I can't think of it. But, but you don't get to be a strong wall. You just get to be a strong individual. But if you focus too much on being a strong individual, we don't get to be a wall. We, we've got to be strong. You've got to be strong. You've got to be strong for me, and I've got to be strong for you. But we've got to be strong together. And sometimes I have to surrender some of my strength to connect with your strength so that we can be strong together. We can, we've got to be pulling in the same direction. Cool. The other idea is this that I want to pull out in the next five minutes is that we're, God's building us as living stones, which I think that's a powerful symbol, isn't it? Living stones. We're living stones built into a spiritual house. I reckon that's awesome.
And then God, like in the next passage, so he's building these, we're the living stones. Just, I love the imagery, and this is awesome. Obviously, Paul, Peter's just ranting. And the Holy Spirit speaking. We're living stones being built into God's spiritual temple. And we're royal priests in the temple giving sacrifices. It's like, well, it's like what are, well, what are we? Are we, are, we the, are, we the, are we the temple or are we the priests in the temple? Are, are we, how can I be the wall and the priests? I don't think that's a little weird. I reckon it's powerful though. I reckon it's powerful because some of you would love to just be the wall. Well, you know, Pastor Jordan, I just, I like to sing just over here. This is my bit. I like to sing. (laughs) My brother used to play the drums. My brother, my younger brother used to play the drums and he realized that no one could see him. So then he became the lead singer of the band. He got rid of the lead singer. (laughs) He's not stupid. <laughs> but some of you love to be like some of you love to be the priest. Oh, actually, I really like it. We know I love it. If Pastor Jordan got me to share a testimony, oh, oh, I love it in my e-group when oh, it's me leading. And I, do you know, I reckon it's awesome that you love being the priest. And some of you, I reckon it's awesome that you love being the wall, but you don't get to just be one. For, for one, for some of you, it's like, well, I really like just being the wall, and I'm just gonna ignore this bit about being a priest. Because I'm just going to do my bit and love my brother in Christ, love my sister in Christ, and hold together and be faithful. Good on you. That's awesome. That's the first part of the sermon. The second part of the sermon is that you've got a responsibility to be a royal priest, a leading person. So a person with authority, a royal priest. Again, that's a stupid no, there was no such thing as a royal priest apart from this one guy, David, who's the only real royal priest prior to Jesus who, who led with authority and then worshipped God with integrity. What does it mean to be a royal priest? First of all, the most important thing to understand is our priesthood, it says it's, it's all through the, medi- through the mediation of Jesus Christ. Because a whole bunch of you are like, well, I'm not really priest material. That's actually true of everyone. But through the mediation of Christ, we've become these royal priests, right? I like this thought that salvation includes a job description. Because when Jesus saved you, he says, I'm going to choose Shay. I'm choosing, I'm going to choose Shay for salvation. I'm predestining that Shay is going to find me. When he did that, it wasn't like then, then Shay gets found and saved, and then God's like, oh, man, well, now we've got Shay. What are we going to do with Shay? <sighs> you know, have you ever, like, you know, when, um, when you play um, sports at school and at lunchtime, and, and so they do the picking, and at the end, I was me and four others, and they were like, mm. you, you know, it's like you don't even get picked at all. No one wants you on the team at all. It's just you happen to still be standing in the line. And then you're in the team, and they're like, well, you play defense. You just play defense. Or like if you're playing touch rugby and you're playing and the, the ball never actually cut the... Just running. Oh. <laughs> Everyone's a dummy run. Have you? Uh, yes, okay. But actually God's not like that. Do you know, every single person when, when you're saved, he saves you. It says he, from before the foundation of the world, he loved you and he called you. Do you know... I don't know what God's priority is, but both of them sort of work together. He had a plan for you. He had a job for you to do. And he wanted to save you and set you free from sin. He didn't save you and set you free from sin and then think of a job for you. He had a plan and a purpose and a position for you in a royal priesthood, a role to play in the the realities of heaven as they meet earth. You had a role to play, and so he chose you. It's not, it's not like you just came through the club, you know, in football in, the, in Europe. Some players just come through the club, and other players get scouted for big money from other clubs. You got scouted. God came looking for you and recruited you. He, he did. He came looking for you and recruited you. He, you didn't just come through the house of God, even if you feel like you did. You grew up in church and just still happened to be here. No, no, God chose you. God went looking for you and found you. You are the sheep that went missing, and he came and found you. You are the tenth coin, and he came and found you. You're the lost son that he waited and waited and waited and ran to. That's who you are. He has a position. He has a place 
for you. Here, the other thing is this, I reckon is awesome, is that, that salvation includes identity. The whole idea of salvation, Rick Warren says this interesting thing, he says, without a revelation of adoption, you can't understand the gospel. And actually, the central metaphor to the good news is adoption. And the thing about adoption is it's not something that really happens in the same way that the Bible talks about adoption. Adoption doesn't really happen like that now. Because adoption now is a bit like long-term care. Whereas adoption in, in Jesus' day, adoption, if you think about it, imagine it. So it's a pretty bad thing now to be motherless and fatherless. That's a pretty bad thing in New Zealand now. But can you imagine the ancient world? Can you imagine in the ancient world where there wasn't really governments, there were empires and there were families. There wasn't really government in between that. So imagine you've got no mother and you've got no father and you're just a a baby. Think of Moses in in the Nile. He'll be fine. No, he's not going to be fine. That's who you were. That's the picture that Joe, that Moses in the basket floating on the, on, the, on the river. That's who you were. Some of you, that's who you are. That's why you've been insecure. Yes, I'd be insecure if I was you too. Mum, imagine the mum. She makes a basket, puts the baby in for, the, for, for chance, just for chance. She didn't have a word of God about it. She just had, it was just for chance. Baby's going to get caught and killed anyway. We're just going to hope. Just going to hope. Man, imagine being adrift. I don't know if you've ever been lost, lost. Like lost, lost, lost. Like, oh, now we're lost. Well, now it's the next day and we're still lost. I don't know if you've ever been lost, lost. It's worth being lost, lost just to get the feeling of it. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. Me and my, my, my two younger brothers and my dad we were tramping. We got lost, lost. And we were, all, we, were all pretty, we were all pretty confident, overconfident. And we were lost, lost. And, uh, and we, I was, we were all holding it together. We were all being brave. But once dad started crying, <laughs> then I thought, oh, we're lost, lost. <laughs> I've only seen him cry one time. <laughs> and it's when we were lost. Not when his dad died, not when his mum died. No, when we got lost in the bush, then he was crying. But that's what you were. You were lost, lost. Not like, wow, man, I can't believe I don't have enough money for the bus. That's not like that. You're lost, lost. Nowhere. I've got a friend who got, he was flying to Central Africa. He got off the plane in the wrong country. Right? That's lost, lost. His name's Pastor Graham. (laughs) How many people know he's a blind person? who got off the plane in the wrong country. And how many people know that he would have been shouting at the people? No, well, 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 you know, because he's got a big loud voice. He would have been bossing them around. And uh, apparently he, didn't, he, he was bossing everyone around until they pointed the guns at him like that, and then he stopped talking. Then you're lost, lost. <laughs> Sit down. So, okay, yes, boss. They were just jabbering away then. But when... I love this bit in the passage. I reckon it's cool. It says, if you've got the older translations, it says, once you were not a people, but now we are the people of God. Have you thought about that? Once you had no identity, but now you're sons and daughters of God. You know, once you, were, you didn't have an identity worth living for, but now we've got this identity in the family of God. I reckon that's a powerful thought. The last thing I want to say is this, is that if we're royal priests offering spiritual sacrifices that are pleasing to God, your offering matters. If you're just a person at church and the worship leader says, come on, let's praise God, you know, it doesn't matter whether you shout or not because it's just, you know, it's a bit of a concert and they're trying to razz everyone up. You know, but come on, if you're a royal priest offering a spiritual sacrifice that's pleasing to God, do you know what matters when you shout? It does. It matters. Your praise tonight improved Wellington because of this passage. You're a royal priest 
your praise changes Wellington. Do we know how? No. We don't know how. If we knew how, would it be as much fun? Maybe it would be more fun, actually. Would it be more fun? You see, you know, I don't know if you've ever seen someone, uh, you know, James came dancing across the front here. I was like, oh, it'd be so awesome to just. <laughs> but then I was like, no, that's the old me. That's the old me. <laughs> also, you just couldn't, you just wouldn't know whether James would turn on me. Hey, James, where's James? Yeah, yeah, he, you would attack me. 50-50, yeah, James, whether you'd attack me or, yeah. I'd be like, ha, 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 and he'd be like, uh, anyhow. But you know when you see someone dance like James did tonight, you know what did you do? That's James offering a spiritual sacrifice. And it lifted my spirit. I don't know if it lifted, it lifted the spirit of the band because they could see him, maybe you couldn't see him. When some person, when you, when, you know, when I dance like this, it doesn't really mean anything because it's just me jumping up and down. <laughs> and I know no one's going to notice me doing this, so it's not embarrassing. But once it's embarrassing, then it matters. You know, you know, it's like, let's give Jesus a shout of praise, right? If you, we do this, let's give Jesus a shout of praise, and it goes like this. Ah. But imagine if one person just went, ah. and the, the person leading the service is like, okay. <laughs> We're just doing a praise thing. It's like, it's a normal, you, know, you know that vibe that's like, let's give Jesus a shout of praise. Let's be a church that when the, when the person leading the service says, hey, welcome to church, let's, Let's give God one more shout of praise. They have to say, okay, let's stop now because we've got to get on with the rest of the service. Let's, let's understand that our praise matters. Do you know your offering matters? Your praise matters. Do you know your giving matters? Here's the deal. Here's the deal. The, the giving that matters in church is not the big amounts. Right? So this year, because I sold a house in Auckland, I've given more actual money than I ever have before because you sell a house in Auckland, you, you make a profit, right? But I haven't actually given anymore because I've only tithed on the profit, right? It's not an offering. It's still just a tithe. But for me, the tithe is the most powerful giving that we do because it says in Malachi that when we tithe, God opens the windows of heaven and pours out blessing upon us. Now, when God pours out blessing out of the wing of heaven, He's not talking about money because God doesn't deal in money. He pours out blessing. The number one blessing that God pours out is His presence. It's always the most, the preeminent thing that God gives is His powerful presence. So when I tithe, I'm excited because it opens the windows of heaven over my life and God pours into my life blessing so that I don't have room to contain it, Right? That, and that's my testimony. I have a blessed life that I don't have room to contain it to the point that I have to be a blessing to other people because I can't contain everything that God's put in me, right? Okay? Imagine if that was the truth reality of our whole church, that God would open the windows of heaven over us congregationally, that together as we agree in the tithe, as royal priests built into the same spiritual house, working together, believing together with this vision of God moving in our city, could we see the windows of heaven open over our city in a way that God's presence comes in such a way that it couldn't be contained in Equipus Church Wellington, and it couldn't be contained at Victoria University, and it couldn't be contained contained in Massey University. It couldn't be contained at Wellington College or Wellington High School or in the Ministry of Social Development or in that place that you were. It couldn't be contained at, sorry, at Awaroa Partners. And it, and it couldn't be contained at KFC. And it filled the streets and there was fried chicken for everyone. How many people know we want the blessing of God on KFC first? Yeah. But come on, that's do you know why I always talk about tithes all the time in church? There's two reasons. Number one, if you tithe, it's much easier for me to balance the budgets. It's much easier. Like seriously, you'd save me a day's work a week. If you tithe, I'm going to have to spend a day less a week worrying about how we pay the bills, right? Straight up fact, right? That gives me a whole nother day to go swimming or, you know, sunbathing or other important pastoral activities, right? But secondly, imagine that. The windows of heaven over our city. Well, see, if you're just a person in church, it doesn't matter whether you tithe or not. Especially if you're getting $120 in student allowance. $12, does it matter? No, if you're just a person at church, doesn't matter. But you're not just a person at church, are you? 
Because you're a living stone built into a spiritual house, a royal priest. So your $12.50 from your $125 of student allowance opens the windows of heaven or not. Here's the thing. When you don't earn much money, you can open the windows of heaven for very small amounts of money. Hey, if you're on a sickness benefit, you can open the windows of heaven for 15 bucks a week. Come on. That's a good deal. Hey, come on. That's the testimony, hey. Here's the deal. Here's the deal. And we don't, do, we don't call the people out there this much. But I, I know people in our church because I look at the bank, bank statements. The person, people who earn the least in our church tithe and the people who earn the most in our church tithe. And people in the middle is about 5 to 10%. And I just think, man, if the people who earn that much can give that much a tithe, wow, that's awesome. And if the people who only earn that much can give a tithe, wow, that's awesome. So it's po- I know it's possible, but it's not, it's, you know, it's not possible to give a real decent shout of praise if you just think, well, I'm just another person in the third row. Yes, you are. You're just another person in the third row. You're just like the $3. Part. But when you plug in and give God a shout of praise, be the priest he's called you to be. Well, I'm just another student and I'm only getting, if you're getting, hey, listen, I've got this question on email this week. If you're getting a student loan, don't tie that. Don't tithe your student loan because that's not income. Now, I'm going to say this is going to frighten some people. You have to pay that back, right? You've got to pay that back. Yeah, okay, everyone, write this down. If you're getting a student loan, you do have to pay it back, right? Because that's my money. That's taxpayers' money. You pay it back. I don't want you tithing on my money, my tax money. Come on. I'm not joking. Don't tithe my tax money. You pay that back. I think there should be freaking interest on that as well. It's my money. <laughs> give it to me. I'll give, pay interest to have it, right? Oh, right no, interest-free communists. Anyhow. <laughs> obviously, I'm non-political in the pulpit. Non-political in the pulpit. Outside of the pulpit. I've got all sorts of crazy ideas I can't back up. Anyhow. So if you're getting a student loan, don't tie that. But if you're, getting, if you're working or you're getting actual income... You, just a little bit of tithe, you can open the windows of heaven. What did Jesus say about tithe? He said one thing, do it. That's all he said. He didn't actually have a conversation about it. Do you know what he said, though? He said about money is if you're faithful with unrighteous mammon, then I can give you the true riches. Man, wouldn't it be cool if we were a church that had true riches? Now, yes, we'd like flash lights. That would be good. And a big sound system, very good. That would be awesome, wouldn't it? Yeah, because if you're going to have lights, you might as well have a lot of them, right? If you're going to have a sound system, it should be banging, right? That's the reality. If you can, you know, that's what you should do, right? But, you know, who wants to be a church with lights and smoke without true riches? In fact, who wants to be a church at all without the true riches? Who wants to be a Christian without the true riches? Come on, let's, be, let's not just be people at church. Let's be living stones built into a spiritual house, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, called out of darkness and into His glorious light, that through us He would display the principalities and powers, the glorious riches of His grace. That's who I want to be. Why don't you jump to your feet? Let me pray with you.